Nick Carter is joining us. He's a partner at Castle Island Ventures, a venture capital firm focusing on public blockchains. Nick, thanks for coming on the show. You've got a lot of good charts from a post you made today. I want to jump straight into them and then kind of come to a macro conclusion at the end. So first one that jumps out to me is one that looks at wallets in Bitcoin. Walk me through why this is important right now, because it seems like this means there's, what, more diversified holders? Yeah, and thanks for having me. Uh, pleasure to be here. Uh, yeah, so that chart is basically meant to demonstrate that there are effectively more Bitcoin holders on the Bitcoin network today as compared with 2017 when we had our last bull run. And if you look, you see that peak in late 2017, early 2018. That was when Bitcoin hit $19,000, $20,000. But what has happened since then is that effectively the holder base has diversified. There are more wallets holding Bitcoins on chain, which is consistent with retail investor sizing. Uh, And so effectively, this means that there are just fundamentally more people that hold Bitcoin today. And this number doesn't necessarily map to the number of individuals holding the coin because some people hold at exchanges, but it's still sort of directionally useful in ascertaining the growth and the dispersion of the network. So one of the things right now that's so interesting about what's happening is that there's not this crazy retail fervor. There's not people searching what is Bitcoin and, you know, the signs of FOMO are not quite there. But these wallet counts go as low as 10 bucks. So it seems like that very much could be either retail or could you be a Bitcoin whale and just have a bunch of different wallets to make sure that, you know, your stuff can't all be exposed in the same form? Is that possible as well? It seems like that's part of it. Yeah, I, I mean, you can really it, Bitcoin is what you make of it. You can get exposure to it and, and hold it and, and what you know, whatever setup you like. This metric specifically, I defined it for wallets holding at least ten dollars worth of Bitcoin because I was targeting those kind of smaller retail investor lot sizes. Okay. And of course, you can look at other lot sizes. For instance, uh, the chart looks very similar if you define it for a thousand dollar addresses holding Bitcoin. So we're seeing growth in sort of all those categories. Now, as we've seen the uh, institutional kind of build out exchanges offering certain types of banks now being engaged in Bitcoin, will that also create a lot of different addresses for wallets as well? Well, typically exchanges will hold Bitcoin in what's called omnibus style wallets. So that means that they will have one address which corresponds to lots Mm. and lots of holders at the exchange so you wouldn't really notice that on chain they would be holding very few wallet addresses lots of bitcoin in those addresses and that would correspond to lots of holders at the exchange got it okay so we've got wallet counts going up even if the denomination if you kind of set the bar higher for a thousand bucks it still is going up as you say the other one that I think looks pretty similar and pretty interesting is uh, realized capitalization. Walk me through what you mean by this. It's kind of an alternative to market cap, and I guess it has to do with liquidity within Bitcoin? Yeah, so realized capitalization. Market cap, you price every unit of Bitcoin at the current market price, right? Now, realized capitalization takes a totally alternative view. It prices every unit of Bitcoin when they last moved on the ledger. So effectively, when there's a trade and those trades settle on chain, then you reprice each unit of Bitcoin at the time that it last traded. And so this is kind of a more liquidity adjusted measure of Bitcoin's aggregate capitalization. And 
you know, a lot of Bitcoin is inert since 2009, 2010. Those Bitcoins are not counted by this metric. So mm. in my view, this is kind of a more pure and more accurate, you know, accurate measure of Bitcoin's actual sort of liquidity adjusted capitalization. And as you can see, it's well above its sort of prior highs, uh, even though the unit price today is lower than the previous all time highs. And so what this suggests to me is that Bitcoin is far more liquid and there's far more churn at these current levels than there was mm. back in 2018. So this is a sign of a much healthier market. Uh, you can um, you can look at this metric and perceive it as kind of an aggregate cost basis metric for everyone holding Bitcoin. Okay. This suggests that we're at sort of all time highs in, as far as cost basis for inv investors is concerned. Now, in terms of calculations, is it sort of like, a, I may be over approximating here, but is it kind of like a, a weighted average of the of Bitcoin that's weighted towards how recent it has been transacted because it's it's not pure market cap. It has some kind of uh, factor that you're you know multiplying by here. Yeah, I mean we literally look at every single unit, all of the 18.5 million units of Bitcoin that are circulating on chain. For each one of those units, we ascertain when it was last moved mm. on chain. Okay, and you just add all of those up and you get this alternative view of market capitalization. This Got is it. only possible because Bitcoin is a completely open and transparent ledger where you can audit the supply and what's happening with every unit in real time. It's obviously not possible for something like gold, for instance. So this is a good uh, thing to measure in terms of how easy it basically is to buy and sell Bitcoin in terms of its connection with price. There's not a big pullback in this measurement during the periods of pullback in price. So if we bring up the chart again, right? It doesn't drop when the Bitcoin price drops. It doesn't really go up necessarily when the Bitcoin price goes up. I mean, it seems like it is more inclined to go up when the Bitcoin price goes up than it is to go down when the Bitcoin price goes down. Uh, is there any implication of that? What, is that? what does that mean? It looks like this thing just generally kind of goes up overall. Right. And this sort of indicates to me that those Bitcoin holders that sort of lost money in paper terms in the bear market of 2018, 2019, were not really inclined to sell those Bitcoins. They just sort of held on to them. Mm. Um, if they had sold those Bitcoins, they would have recognized the loss. We would have seen that on chain and realized cap would have fallen to a significant degree. Really, it's mm. just a much more stable and kind of slow moving measure than unit price, which is why I like it as a way to measure sort of the aggregate value of Bitcoin in a way that's sort of less exposed to the day-to-day -day volatility. Now, does this suggest, it sounds like you're kind of suggesting conviction that this doesn't drop too quickly with price, suggests that over time you're kind of building up more conviction in the folks who are holding the Bitcoin. Yeah, although in fairness, you see there there was a there was a drop in 2018. So certainly some of those holders left and mm -hmm. and new holders entered the market um, at a at a kind of lower cost basis. But yeah, generally the stability of the realized cap measure shows a certain measure of conviction from investors. Okay, one other one here that is uh, concentrated on the on the banking side because what I want to try and drive at here is we come to an overall conclusion. I want to hear your take on generally why you think this is happening right now. It seems like a lot of these charts point towards a generally maturing kind of asset class where there's a different type of investor. There are some banks now that offer uh, crypto functionality. One of them is Silvergate, which you are tracking in terms of just how much their crypto platforms are being used, uh, how much money is being exchanged. Is it Bitcoin alone? Is it all crypto? What does this chart mean that shows more and more money being uh, put to use here through this Silvergate bank? 
Yeah, so Silvergate Bank is a bank that services crypto firms that okay. are active in the crypto industry. So there might be exchanges, uh, you know, options exchanges. This is taken from their recent quarterly disclosures. They're a publicly traded firm. Uh, and their mere existence is great for the industry because for a decade now, crypto firms, and you know, we invest in crypto firms, they all have this same problem getting access to banking services. Banks have been very unwilling to bank crypto firms. Mm -hmm. And so the fact that there is now you know, a good number of banks that are actively targeting crypto firms, exchanges, et cetera, uh, Silvergate, Metropolitan, Signature, they're actively courting crypto firms is great. Silvergate's probably the biggest of them. They created this settlement network for crypto firms to settle fiat currency between each other. They call it uh, the Silvergate Exchange Network. So this is just a chart charting, plotting the usage of that network. That These aren't crypto transfers. These are actually intra kind of bank transfers mm. among their clients. And what it shows to me is that there's just fundamentally more commerce happening in the crypto industry on this you know, fairly robust settlement network, which is why I called this one out in, in particular. Okay, cool. So this is helpful from kind of establishing this infrastructure that confirms what we're seeing in the interest through price, that there are also, there's, there's commerce happening behind here. There is a stability within some of the holders, expansion of the holders, but it doesn't drive towards the why of the timing for this move. And I think that's where we kind of get to the conclusion of your post, which, as I was scrolling down, I thought maybe the post was over, and then I saw the Fred M1 money chart, and I thought, okay, here's the why, right? I mean, this is the argument now that you're making that is offering an explanation. Is this, in your mind, tied towards this Bitcoin potential for the store of value? I mean, does it always come back to this? I mean, is this the reason for why you think there's more interest right now? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you look at the the you know macro firms and and some of these high-flying uh, famous hedge fund investors that are talking about how they're getting exposure to Bitcoin. And most of them will be talking about the great monetary inflation, the potential devaluation we're seeing in the dollar, the monetary idiosyncrasies that we're witnessing right now that we've never seen before. Um, I think it really does come down to the fact that, you know, some of these central bank behavior is uh, just you know, not particularly credible. And we have this alternative novel asset class, which is rapidly monetizing, which has some of the characteristics of gold, but has this really fixed supply schedule and it has completely eliminated all monetary discretion. And of course, I think it comes to, you know, back to the monetary backdrop here that everyone's acutely aware of. Whether or not it's gonna manifest inflation or not is not clear, but I think most of us expect there to be negative real interest rates for the foreseeable future, uh, which means that you know, holding cash is probably non-starter, treasuries probably won't perform particularly well. And so compared to that, uh, Bitcoin you know, looks fairly attractive if you're open-minded enough. Uh, mm -hmm. So this was kind of, I just threw that in there as a motivation. Really the article was about why the plumbing of the industry can accommodate more capital today. Mm -hmm. And it's much more sophisticated, regulated and orderly uh, but I also did want to mention the main motivation because it's not just good enough to have, you know, slightly fatter pipes that can accommodate more capital inflows. Sure. 
you also have to have a reason why people might want to actually allocate to the asset. So that reason real quick, Nick, because we're almost gone. The chart that I'll bring up that I brought over just looks at negative yielding debt next to Bitcoin. The last time we had this huge run in total global negative yielding debt, Bitcoin did have another big move. It was around the trade war time. Is this, uh, I mean, it seems like it's related, right? Do you have to have a view that that negative yielding debt and that negative interest rate regime is going to extend for Bitcoin to extend as well? Because last time that peaked out, Bitcoin peaked out too. Yeah, it's a great correlation. And just visually looking at the chart, there's clearly an association there. Bitcoin is a zero yielding asset. If as you know, the deeper negative interest rates go, the better Bitcoin looks, I think. So there's clearly an association. That said, Bitcoin is also a bet on all the builders and the developers that are building this new monetary technology from the ground up. It's only 12 years old and it's worth over $300 billion today. So you kind of get a call option on this technological innovation alongside the safety and soundness and understanding this monetary protocol is quite fixed, you know, compared to some of the monetary wildness we're seeing from central banks.